Hello, everybody. Matthew Lyle Mooney. Quick warning, we will be discussing child loss today. If you are going through a season, we want to be sensitive to that and let you know if this is not something you want to put in your ears, we understand. Go to the next one and we love you. So one of the first organized activities I ever did as a kid was ballet lessons. Ballet and tap. Did you know that about me? You know, I did not. I knew that you took them. I didn't know that that was one of the first things you did. What experience do you have with dance, man? Not a lot. I um, went to a, to a Christian school, Jenny, and when you were going to dances, we were not allowed to do so. Oh, that stinks. You really missed out on that, Matt. And it was because of this apparently sad dance void in my youth that I asked Jenny to explain to me, to us, the idea of dance steps that build on one another. Because the stories we'll be sharing today, well, they layer on kind of like that, like dance steps. At least, I think they do. I think the last one I tried was the Macarena. Or was it the Cabbage Patch? So the difference in freestyle and choreography is choreography you're going to have set moves right for each count of the music and you can't start at like count seven and eight without doing counts one and two first so you may have a move for one two three four and you have to learn that move and then you'll layer on the next move five six seven eight and then you keep going from there and together it makes the dance I think the reason that we've had to kind of go with this dance idea is this is a really hard concept that we're trying to talk about. And so we're going to start at kind of what I'm calling step one. Healing and the church. Then we're going to go to step two. Disability and the church. And though it was not as we had planned, step three became an episode all on its own. I'm Matthew Lyle Mooney. And I'm Jenny Mooney. And this is Atypical, stories of our fragile and shared humanity. This season, we are focusing on those experiencing disability by looking at some of the things I have learned as a father and also as someone living and learning in community with my friends with disability. As you heard today, we're layering on some dance steps. Step one, healing in the church. Around December 16th, I had just taken my weekly injection of chemotherapy and I'm sitting on the couch feeling terrible. It makes me feel really nauseated for a day and scrolling through social media and I saw hashtag wake up Olive. I promise you we will return to why she was undergoing chemo, but for now, back to the couch pictures of this little girl circulating all over social media and started looking into it and saw two-year-old Olive Heiligenthal had died in her sleep on December 14th. She just stopped breathing and her parents discovered that she had stopped breathing. Of course, they call 911 and she's taken to the hospital where she was pronounced dead and Her body then was taken to the county coroner's office where it remained for days. And 
uh, Callie, Olive's mom, uh, called for their community to pray for her resurrection from the dead. And they were believing that God would raise her. And this request for not just a prayer for healing, but prayer for raising Olive from the dead. And this was not just any person's request. This was someone quite known in faith circles. Yeah, so so this little girl that died, Olive, her mom is Callie Heiligenthal, who is a really well-known, well-loved, popular uh, Bethel music artist. And they are part of Bethel Church in California, which is a church that people around the world follow and you know, receive teaching from and view as a source of wisdom and encouragement, but especially through their ministry of music. Their music is incredibly popular. And this request to join in for prayer, to wake up Olive, well, it took off. Very quickly, the call for forgot to wake up Olive became not just Callie's call, but the cry of Bethel Church and of those whom are connected to it. And so their pastor, Bill Johnson, you know, made statements in support of this. And of course, they're couched in a little bit of caveats, <laughs> but there was a strong backing of them. But in the meantime, in that chunk of days where everybody, everybody, where many, many people are crying out for Olive to be raised from the dead. There were tons of worship services with, um, you know, ecstatic dancing and prayer, crying out for this little girl to be raised. And it became a, a movement, really, Just a quick check-in with you to let you know that I want to be so, so tender with this. As many of you know, many of you may not know, Jenny and I lost our first son, Elliot. And so I in no way want to make light of this loss, and I'm so sorry for this family and for their pain and for what I know must be missing their daughter every day. And as I look back on that time, if you had told me that any prayer or anything that I could do would somehow bring Elliot back, I certainly would have done it. Just letting you know that. Eventually, Bill Johnson made a statement. Bill Johnson, you may remember, the pastor at Bethel made a statement saying, well, we have decided, you know, the family is going to be holding a memorial service. And that was that. To be honest, I find myself torn between admiring their faith and boldness, though this may not be my own theology, and also believing that there's just surfaced in this story an uncomfort and an unwillingness to accept suffering which can lead to some real problems. Of course, I'm sitting there baffled. Um, and I'm sitting there in my own weakness, 
with it very palpable with something that people have prayed for God to take away and hasn't been. I told you that we'd get there, and I'm going to let KJ tell you her diagnosis because, well... Ankylosing spondylitis. Say what? Mm -hmm. Ankylosing spondylitis. Ankylosing spondylitis. Well, I tried. And it is a severe autoimmune disease that affects my spine and, for me, most of my joints. And it causes a considerable amount of pain and stiffness, fatigue, and over time, degeneration. And it's something that doesn't have a cure. I have had for 11 years. In those 11 years, I've had many seasons where I'm entirely disabled or bedbound. Uh, and I haven't had one day without a large amount of pain either. And so it is during recovery from a sickening chemo treatment for this condition that KJ opens her phone to read. And from her perspective, this story of Olive seems much bigger than the two weeks of pleas and prayers and worship services. It seems to her indicative of a much larger Christian culture that pushes away pain and attempts to circumvent suffering at all costs. The faith that is built upon the death and suffering of a man has now come to have a very awkward relationship with his call to follow him down that road. But what seems obvious from her perspective is that it is a Christian culture that has become uncomfortable with her. I did feel this just if it was such a juxtaposition to sit there and how I came across it and when I came across it and the feeling grief for this family and also feeling shock at the refusal to accept her death. Um, and the way that so many Christians around particularly our country but also around the world were jumping onto the social media bandwagon praying for Olive to wake up I found honestly uh, this is going to piss people off but I found it incredibly disturbing and revealing about what Christians believe about the nature of miracles and our place within the story of the kingdom of God and where does suffering fit and so I just was started paid started paying attention and um, and tried to listen and and sit with it and uh, sitting with it only further disturbed me honestly Now, don't forget, we're dancing here. We're layering on three steps. Step one, as Christians, we believe that God can heal people. He's God. And scripture seems to invite us to ask him for healing, believing that he is able. And yet, certainly this idea of just wanting things around us healed, cured, and fixed can service in us a desire not for his will to be done, but really for our will to be done. 
And if nothing else, we can see from here that there is a relationship in our modern Western world where we have less pain and suffering than any time before us. We seem to have grown more uncomfortable with any of it at all. dancing right now, as far as you know. Step two, if you want to talk about coming face-to-face with those whose very lives push back against this school of thought whereby pain avoidance is preeminent, then I want you to meet one of my friends. Testing, testing, setting up for the podcast. Got my mic, got my coffee, got the beautiful day. That is a Mecca. And he will be our guide on step two of this dance. Step two, disability in the church. And I am joining Mecca on his porch in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you were here with us, you would see that Mecca is in a wheelchair because in 2009, he was an athlete playing in a football game. And on a particular play, Mecca broke his neck, which paralyzed him from the chest down. And in the aftermath of that, I go from being this football player to now having a disability, being a black man in a wheelchair, and now living under the poverty line. And so it's poverty, it's race, it's disability. And so imagine this with me, if you will. Here is Emeka, and he is relearning, adjusting to his new normal in every way, shape, and form of this life that he now has. And I asked him, what did this look like in his church, in the faith community that he had been a part of? I've been raised in church for my entire life. After my accident, there's such a crazy adjustment that is happening, adjust to the way you view the world, how the world views you. I was 21 years old when I got hurt. And in the blink of an eye, now I'm a wheelchair user. I'm dependent on other people's help for certain things. And so I've got to adjust and look at the world differently. And one of my worlds being the church, I don't think that I was ready for what that was going to be like. He didn't know what that was going to be like is Mecca's understated kind way of saying he's got quite a few stories of what that was like, of what it was like to be a man in a wheelchair going to church. The hardest part of putting this together was deciding on which story Mecca would reach into the bucket of church stories that he's dealt with to share with us. I was in the, I was at church and they were preaching a great message. Someone was preaching a message on finances. And I'm like, yo, like, I don't want to, this position that I'm in, I don't want to stay here forever. And so it, it was really rocking me. And, you know, I was like, you know what? They're like, you know, if you, if you want um, a breakthrough in your finances, you know, you know, come down. And so, you know, uh, you know, it, and it's, it's a risk to go. It, it, you got to get out of your own comfort zone to go down to the altar. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. And it's even a bigger risk when you are, you know, in a wheelchair because I got to navigate. I got I, I was at the very top, so I got to go get the elevator, come down, 
weave my way through people. Moved by the sermon, Emeka backs his wheelchair up, drives his wheelchair to the elevator, gets in the elevator, doors closed, doors open, and Emeka rolls right down to the front of the church to be prayed for for his finances because of the sermon that has moved him. So I get to the front and I am closing my eyes and I'm thinking to my, I'm, I'm now focused on what is in my bank account, what I'd like to see in my bank account. I'm asking, I'm in prayer with God, I'm in a conversation with God about, hey, I know that I'm in this particular position right now, but you know what? I, I believe you, I believe that this is not where I need to be. Um, I believe that you can turn it around. Um, and all of a sudden I'm feeling the presence of people. And so now people are like down, I, I open my eyes and I'm like seeing people down on my, at my legs, holding my legs. Somebody started grabbing my hand and, you know, they're praying for healing. And it's like, yo, like, that's not why I'm like, I like, and it's not that I don't want to be healed because I obviously do, but it's like, yo, like what, what that's just, you see a problem, but it's a projection. Like you're projecting your, what you think onto me. For a Mecca, it is easy to see from his perspective that it requires more faith, not less, to believe in a God and follow a God that won't give him what he begs for and what he asks for. Whether it is Olive, a daughter that has passed away, or a Mecca who has lost physical abilities. The me and the church had a really interesting back and forth. It's not that I don't go to church, I still go to church, but I lay it down to God in God's hand. Me and God have our relationship. You know, so it, the hard thing about religion is that, you know, we end up blaming God for people's mistakes. And so I, I ultimately understand that people are people and God is God. And so I don't want to judge God based on the actions of people. And then I've had people that would say your faith is not, your, your faith is not strong enough. That's the reason why you're not out of the chair. Um, like the church, there's so much shame that that's a part of of church that we have to have a conversation about. And I'll, I mean, speaking specifically to people with disabilities, really hurt people with disabilities in the church because you now dealing with the shame because people make it make it seem even unconsciously people make it seem as if you know your your burden is is yours to carry alone or it's your fault like or like oh God 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 would step in there and help you if you. You know, the you know, the, the, this this could change. Your life could change if you, and it's 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 frustrating. I personally made the shift to not rely on the outcome. Like, if I'm going to trust God, then trusting God meant not looking at outcome. Like walking by faith. I was hoping that the church would be that, but it it really felt as if the church is stuck in its way of viewing people as broken until I guess their view of healing comes. And so I think it begs the question, how did we get here? How did we get to a place where we see people with disabilities as other, as them, as broken, 
I asked Emeka to play professor to take us all to class on this one. So grab a desk and a pencil, maybe a backpack. I don't know. School's in. In the, the history of disability, we went, we moved from the religious model to a medical model, but in the church, it is a combination of the religious and medical. And what I mean by that is back in the day, in the early, early days, when if someone had mental health issues or someone had a disability that was quote unquote the devil uh, uh, sins of the forefather um, uh, possession dev- uh, you know you're possessed by the devil so then you move away from that model to the medical model where you know if you have a disability you, you are something that needs to be fixed and then in the church you've got a combination of the two where uh, you are something that needs you're broken so you need to be fixed and we haven't gotten to a place where you are human and you are a person and, so, and you have your own hopes and dreams. So speak to me as that. Don't speak to me. Don't, don't look at me for what I lack. Look at me for like what I bring, what I bring to the table. And that is the point of step two. We're dancing And as dancing kind of happens in my life, maybe you're stumbling a bit, maybe you're nailing it. I don't know. Step two, disability and the church. What if we saw our friends with disability not as something to be solved? Rather, we saw people with real gifts to offer us. All of my friends with disability and certainly my daughter They have real flaws. They can be jerks. They can be self-centered. Because ding, 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 they're us. They're no different. And in the same way, they have tremendous gifts to bring us. As I survey the landscape of our modern church and lament the way we are viewed by the outside world, I see a church that has muted the gifts of a certain population for far too long and is paying the price. We need our friends with disabilities in our churches, not so they can be healed, but so that we can. Because you know what I dream in my mind that would happen instead when a Mecca went down front for prayer in that story? I wish instead that those that gathered around him would ask, would plead, for him to pray for them, that they would see his faith for what it was, for what it must be, someone who did not get what he asked for the most and yet still holds to a faith in his God. Because I think what this journey of putting together this episode has taught me is that wanting our friends with disability to be healed, to be cured, to be fixed, says more about us and what we want for us and our own lives than it does about what we want for our friends with disability. But it was KJ and Emeka, the ones walking through it and living it, that helped me see that. When it comes to disabilities, I think people are trying to soothe their own discomfort. And people with disabilities make people uncomfortable because they are now a little bit closer to their own humanity and or and their own mortality even and 
that scares people. And so they do whatever they can to to make their own discomfort going away, even if it means dressing it up as me getting rid of yours. Like you're imposing discomfort on me further by trying to tell me that, oh, you know what? I just want to heal your pain. Did I tell you that I was in pain? Did I tell you that this that, that this was like an issue? No, you're speaking about it because you think it's an issue. We live in the epicenter of thinking that we can create the future that we want. And that gets co-opted by the church and married into this gospel where God really is going to renew all things. So we collapse those together and we see suffering and we see bodies that have continuing disease, disorders, disabilities. And what happens inside of us is that we feel anxious that that could happen to us too. We spiritualize our anxiety and we use it like a sword toward the person and families who are suffering by, we think, kindly crying out for their healing and their relief. When what if the way of the gospel is actually to turn toward people who are suffering and have continuing weakness and to say, I want to see Jesus in you. And so today, through these two stories, we layered on two steps. Step one, healing in the church. Step two, disability in the church. It was a dance. And the thing that all of these stories today held in common, where all of this complexity arises from our three stories today, these were all folks who wanted healing. That was their stated desire. Next episode, step three, we take on a deeper part of this dance. My friends with disability who do not want to be healed. Thank you to KJ Ramsey and Emeka. You can find links to them and their work at theatypicallife.com. There or pretty much anywhere on the World Wide Web, you could find information about KJ's book, This Too Shall Last. I'm Matthew Lyle Mooney, and this is Atypical, stories of our fragile and shared humanity. Thank you so much for listening. We are truly thankful. If you like this and would like us to be able to share more stories like this one, we would be so honored if you would like this, share this, snail mail, social media, leave a review, all of these help others to hear this story. And we love you. But before we leave, I asked Emeka to imagine on one side was the church and they were walking towards the other side. All of our friends with disability represented in a group and these two groups were walking towards each other. What would he stand in the middle of them and say? Put down your tools because even just in that visual, I like, and I'm so glad that you brought that because as as I as I see that visual, visual, 
what I know the church is coming with. They're coming with hammers in hand, screwdrivers in hand, because what they see are people that need to be fixed. And if I were talking to the church as a whole, I'd say, put down your tools. Those are not people that need to be fixed. They're people that need to be hugged and, and pulled in. Thank you.